Today we're in part three of a series called, what's it called? Issues. It's called Issues. And if you're new with us, we're talking about all of our issues. I have issues. You have issues. Guess what? Your grandma has issues. Like, you know, we won't tell anybody else, but we know grandma has issues because we all have issues. And so in this series, what we're doing is we're trying to learn how to effectively address our issues. We're looking at five steps for how to do that. So we've looked at two so far. Today, we'll we'll look at the third, and I'll remind you about that in just a second. But over the past few weeks, I have talked a lot about my issues. And I would love for those who have heard that over the past two weeks, whether you're on campus or maybe you're watching online, I'd love for you to help the new people who've not heard about my issues yet understand what some of my issues are. Control issues, yes. So if you're watching online, type that in the, the comment section. Morgan has given you one already. It's control. So what else, what else have I talked about besides control? Insecurity. Insecurity. Security. Security. Jealousy. Jealousy. OCD. It's not OCD. It's CDO. You got to get it in the right order, alphabetically. <laughs> Otherwise, it's messed up. Pride. OK, what else? Pride. Pride. Anger. Anger. Road rage. Road rage. <laughs> now, Like, that was a little stretch, you know? Like, that example, I wouldn't call it rage. Maybe you would, but. Family issues, issues, yes. Parenting issues? Fear issues. Self-worth issues. You know, we're going to talk about that later in the service. Yes, I have balding issues, uh, as you might have noticed. So if you're new, you might be thinking, like, why would I come to church here? Because that guy's got issues. And I will say, yes, I do. I have issues, and so do you. So one of my biggest issues is my pride issue. So my pride touches almost every other issue that I have. And I'm going to give you a small example of my pride issue. I'll save the bigger examples for another Sunday, okay? So here's a small example of my pride issue. Recently, I was working on a task that I was kind of struggling with, and I had a group of people around me that were in a conversation, but they were kind of watching me struggle with my task. And instead of me asking for help, I started this inner dialogue that sounded like this. So I'm working on my task, struggling and thinking, you can tell that I need help. It's obvious that I'm struggling with this task. So why won't you help me? Wow, this is frustrating. Again, I didn't ask for help. I just was getting frustrated that I was not getting help. Towards the end of that task, I almost finished. And then someone recognized, oh, I think Trent needs help. And they offered. They said, hey, Trent, do you need help with that? Here's what went through my mind, not out of my mouth, but here's what went through my mind. I could have used help when I started, but now that I'm almost done, I don't want your help because I finished it by myself. So anybody else have thoughts like that? Okay, thank you. Uh, I have pride issues and so do many of you. So in that moment, my pride like got a stranglehold on me and it wouldn't let me ask for help, wouldn't let me receive help when I needed it. And so I struggle with pride issues. I know a lot of us do. Today, we're going to learn from a guy in the Bible who, even though he lived 
several thousand years ago, he struggled with pride issues. And his pride issue almost cost him his life. He had another issue he needed help with. And his pride issue stood in the way of that. And we'll explore that in just a minute. But before we do that, let me remind you of the steps that we've learned so far to deal with our issues. So step number one is this. To deal with our issues, we have to, what's that word? We have to admit that we have issues. And even though that like seems so obvious and so easy, it's not. It's so incredibly hard. That is one of the hardest steps out of the five steps that we are exploring together. All the steps that we're gonna explore are simple, but they're not easy. And this is the first big hurdle for all of us. We have to admit. If we don't admit we have issues, we'll never get help for our issues. So we actually have to say, you know what? I have a pride issue. I have a jealousy issue. I have an insecurity issue. I have a greed issue. I have a lust issue. I have a whatever issue. We have to label it if we're going to get help for it. Step number one. Step number two. To deal with our issues, we have to, what's these two words? Stop managing our issues. Now, if you're new, that might sound a little bit weird. Uh, We are told in our world that we should lean into our strengths and manage our weaknesses. And I do think that's true, except when it comes to issues. And the reason is we are poor managers. Like we are really poor at managing our issues. When we try to manage our issues, we deny our issues. We blame other people for our issues. We play the victim around our issues. We escape from our issues. We self-medicate around our issues. We maximize our issues. We minimize our issues. We defend our issues. We rationalize our issues. We do all kinds of weird things in the name of managing our issues. And when we do that, it just keeps us stuck. We don't actually get help for issues. So we talked about last week what we need to do. Instead of that is we need to identify our issue, step towards that issue, not away from it, step towards it, and ask God for help with it. So that's step number two. Step number three. To deal with our issues, we have to, what are these two words? We have to get help for our issues. Again, another simple step that is really challenging. So why do you think... People around you have a really hard time asking for help for their issues. Pride. We're talking about me again, apparently. Fear. Embarrassment. Denial. Yeah, all great answers. I struggle with all those things. I don't want to tell people that I have issues because I don't want them to know I have issues. I don't want to reach out because then they might know that I'm not perfect. I have perfectionism issues, fear of failure issues. And if I admit that I've failed or admit that I'm not perfect, then I struggle with that. So that's some things that keeps me from reaching out for help. But I wonder what keeps you from reaching out for help? Like, what is it that keeps you from reaching out for help for an issue that you are currently wrestling with? The answer to that question will set you up for getting the real help that you need, if you'll be honest about that. Now, the guy that we're going to learn about today, his name is Naaman. And Naaman is from a country called Aram. And uh, you may or may not have heard of Naaman before, but uh, his story is found in 2 Kings. And it's an interesting story wrapped in two countries that are in conflict with each other. So Aram was close to Israel in the Middle East, 
and they had a contentious relationship constantly. So back when King David, the second king of the nation of Israel, was in charge of Israel, because of his military strength, he required Aram to pay tribute money annually to Israel. And you can imagine that Aram did not like that arrangement. And when they could break free from that, they did. So later uh, in this story, they gain military strength. And so they're fighting with Israel constantly. And they would attack some of the outlying towns and villages of Israel and even take some of those Israelites back to Aram as their slaves. And we'll see evidence of that in today's story. So again, their relationship between these two countries is really interesting given what we're going to watch happen. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 says this. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Now, leprosy is not something that we hear a whole lot about today, even though it still exists. It's still in our world. Um, But back then, that was one of the most feared diseases. It was a contagious disease, it was a skin disease. It left you with deformities and would often take your life early. So nobody wanted this disease. And if you got this disease, most often you had to live in a leper colony with other lepers and nobody wanted to be around you again because nobody wanted to get that disease. So that's what Naaman is wrestling with. Verse two says, At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. Samaria is a city in Israel. And she said he would heal him of his leprosy. Now, the prophet that this young slave girl is talking about is Elisha the prophet, And sometimes, uh, if you're familiar with Old Testament prophecy, uh, you might get Elijah and Elisha mixed up. Elijah trained Elisha how to be a prophet. So she's talking about Elisha. And Elisha is one of my favorite Old Testament prophets. And I I wonder if you can guess why. He has hair. So... I think the answer was he has hair and (laughs) incorrect. So he's one of my favorite prophets because he was bald. Okay, so he's a bald prophet. And in addition to that, he had pride issues. Second Kings chapter two tells of one of his pride issues. It says uh, on one day he was passing through this town and a group of about 40 some kids come out to harass him. So they're mocking him, making fun of him, calling him baldy, telling him to get out of town. And he gets frustrated. So he turns around and he curses them in the name of the Lord. I'm going, I didn't know you could do that. Like, that doesn't sound like a good thing. And after that curse, two bears from the wilderness come out and maul 42 of those kids. So I'm thinking, Elisha, that's not like your finest moment as a prophet. Like, you probably didn't want that recorded for us to be able to talk about several thousand years later. So yes, he was bald. He had pride issues as well. And that's who this girl's talking about. She's talking about Elisha. Verse four. Says, so Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. So Naaman reached out for help. 
He's desperate. He's tried everything that he knows to do, and nothing has worked. And so in this desperate moment, he's going to listen to a suggestion from a slave in his house. So he reaches out to his king for help. Verse 5 says, the king of Aram told him, go and visit the prophet. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying his gift, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. Can you imagine going to your mortal enemy for help? It's a desperate spot. Again, Naaman's tried everything. And if he doesn't get help, his life is probably going to end in isolation and end way before he wants it to end. So he's desperate. Verse 7 says, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, this man sends me a leper to heal. Am I God that, that I can give life and take it away? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. Verse 9. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha, he didn't come out. He sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. We'll come back in a minute to why I think Elisha didn't come out to talk to Naaman. Um, but this is where Naaman's pride issue comes into the story. Verse 11 says, but Naaman became angry and he stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. And aren't we a lot like that when it comes to our issues? Like when we pray, like don't we want God, like God, when I pray for this issue to go away, don't we wanna open our eyes and it to instantly be gone? For God to just sprinkle his pixie dust on us and that, that relationship issue that we have, that, that pride issue that we have, that greed issue that we're, we're wrestling with, don't we just want it to just go away without doing any work? Well, I'm a whole lot like that. I want God to instantly fix my issues where I don't have to do work, but there's work involved. Verse 12, he continues his frustration. And he says, aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Farpar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I go wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. So his pride gets a hold of him, a stranglehold on him and almost keeps him from getting help for his issue. Now, as a pastor, I am somewhat familiar with this scenario. As a pastor, I often talk to people in desperate situations. When everything they've tried hasn't worked, I'll often get a, get a call for an appointment and I'll sit down and talk with people who tell me like, I've tried everything, I'm desperate. Like, will you help me with this situation? Sometimes it's a spiritual issue, sometimes it's a relationship issue. There's all kinds of issues that I engage to try to help people through. 
And there are multiple responses that I get when I'm talking to people in some of these desperate situations. Occasionally, not many times, but occasionally somebody will say back to me, I'm just not going to do what you recommend. I don't like your advice. I'm not going to do it. Great. We're clear about that. Other times, uh, people don't say that verbally, but I can tell by their body language and the expression in their face, they're not going to do what I'm recommending. Like I can just tell. It's not, it's not going to go well for them because they're just not going to do it. And with those folks, when I follow up with them, often uh, after the crisis has kind of alleviated a little bit, uh, they're in a little bit of a better spot, and I'll ask, like, hey, how did, how did your homework assignment go? And they'll admit, well, I didn't, I didn't really do that. And often I have to say back to them, until you do what we discussed, you're probably not really going to get the help that you need. You're going to keep managing your issues, and you'll stay stuck in your issue until you get the help and actually do what I've recommended. Now, before you think I'm being hard on anybody that I've met with in a counseling context, uh, let me be honest with you. I struggle with the exact same thing. Not long ago, I was meeting with a friend of mine, and we were just talking about life, kind of catching up. And one of my issues came into the conversation. So we started talking about this issue. And I asked my friend, I said, like, hey, would you give me some advice? Like, what do you think I should do with this issue? Like, this issue is frustrating. I don't want to deal with this issue anymore. What do you think I should do? My friend gave his advice. And I'm not sure what my face communicated. <laughs> but my mind was communicating, well, I'm not going to do that. Well, that's good advice. It'll probably work. But I'm not going to do that because I'm not done trying to manage this issue yet. So I want to try to manage it a little bit more, and then we'll see if we need to do what you've recommended. So um, for everybody who's uh, ever not followed my advice, I get it. I don't always follow advice that other people give me either. Now, when we're in a spot like that, when we're struggling to listen to advice that we are given, we need some trusted friends around us. We need people around us who will not let us keep trying to manage our issues, but they will speak love to us, they'll speak truth to us, and help us address our issues. So that's the kind of relationship that Naaman had with his officers. So verse 13 tells us this. It says, but Naaman's officers tried to reason with him and said, sir, but if the prophet had told you something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he simply says, go and wash and be cured. Apparently, Naaman had a great relationship with his military officers because verse 14 says, he went and did what they said. So Verse 14, so Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child's, and he was healed. Can you imagine that moment for Naaman? Can you imagine how humbled he would have been? Like pride had a stranglehold on him, and if he would have allowed his pride to keep that hold, he would have kept himself from getting the healing that he so desperately needed. But because he listened to his friends and did what he should have done and listened to Elisha, he got the healing that he needed. 
Verse 15 says, Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, before him, and Naaman said, Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. Verse 17. Then Naaman said, All right, but please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this place, and I will take it back home with me. From now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord. However, may the Lord pardon me in this one thing. When my master, the king, goes into the temple of the god Rimon to worship there and leans on my arm, may the Lord pardon me when I bow too. And Elisha said, go in peace. So Naaman started home. So after Naaman humbled himself, he got help for his health issue. And he got help for his pride issue. The reason I think that Elisha didn't come out to see him personally was because Elisha knew he had a pride issue. He didn't want to feed into that pride issue and come out as this prophet speaking to this well-known military officer. So that's why he sent his uh, messenger, sent his servant out and just said, hey, go wash in the water. Once Naaman wrestled down his pride issue, he was able to get help for his health issue. We have to do the same thing. Another issue that I think Naaman got help with was his faith issue. We don't see it in this passage, but I believe he had a faith issue because his God couldn't heal him, but his enemy's God could heal him. So he had to humble himself and he had to go to his enemy to get help from his enemy's God. So he even got help for his faith issue that he may not have been verbalizing at that moment and he became a God follower. I'm not sure how that changed the course of history, but the top military officer of Aram went home as a God follower. I'm sure he had an impact on the people around him. It's an amazing story. So the third step, to deal with our issues, we have to get help for our issues. But there's more to that. So I'm going to add a little bit more. So to deal with our issues, we have to get help for our issues and do what we are told. How many of you like to be told what to do? Like, none of us should have our hands up. I don't have my hands up. I hate being told what to do. Most of us hate being told what to do. Like, like we think of somebody else, like, don't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. I mean, I feel that way often. I even kind of say that to God sometimes. There are moments God gives me an instruction. I shake my little fist at him and say, you're not the boss of me. The reality is he is the boss of me. He's the boss of all of us. So I think we struggle sometimes to do what we are told. Now, I'm going to soften this a little bit, okay? So let's read it with a little softer language and see how we respond. So step three, to deal with our issues, we have to get help and do what our wise counselor recommends. Like, doesn't that sound better? Like, don't you read that and go like, yes, I think I could do that. I could probably do that this afternoon. The bottom line is we got to do what we're told. If we're going to get help for our issues and we reach out to a trusted friend, a wise counselor who will speak truth to us, we need to do what they have recommended for us to do. Over the past 20 years, 
I have made it a habit in my life of talking to trusted friends about my issues. And I got to tell you, when I first started that journey, it was really challenging for me. Uh, when uh, my wife and I were a part of a church that had small groups, uh, my wife said, hey, I want to go to a couples group. And I'm like, I don't. <laughs> and my wife's very persuasive. So the next week we went to a couples group. And on the ride home, this was our conversation. I said to my wife, you talked way too much about us to a bunch of people who don't need to know anything about us, so don't ever do that again. Um, apparently, I'm not real persuasive, so we kept going back to that group, and my wife kept talking about us and our issues. And as I began to learn how to do life in the context of relationships with other people, I got to the spot where I knew I've got to start sharing with somebody else about some of my issues. And I was wrestling with an issue at that time. And I thought, you know, I, I got to talk to somebody. Like, I, I'm not doing a good job of managing this issue. So I need to talk to somebody else. And I had a new friend uh, through church. Um, and, I, you know, I thought, you know what? I, I really like this guy. And I think he can help me. So I'm going to go talk to him. So we went to lunch one day. Before we had lunch, I'm, I'm praying like, God, please, I pray this goes well. Like, I pray he doesn't like think I'm an idiot and, you know, think I have so many issues he doesn't want to spend time with me. So at lunch, like, I just took this risk. And I said, man, I got to talk to you about something. I got an issue. And I need help with this issue. Will you help me? I'm so grateful. Never forget that encounter. My friend said, yeah, it's interesting you say that because I have similar issues. And I was praying for God to bring someone into my life who could help me with my issues. So together, we started meeting regularly to talk about our issues. We started a small group that started to grow. We invited other men into our group that we led for years. And we created a space that was safe for men to talk about many kinds of issues. Why? So that we could get help for our issues. And I today, after 20 plus years, I cannot imagine life without friends like that in my life. I can't imagine doing life without speaking truth to someone and inviting them to speak truth to me. So I desperately need that. We all desperately need that. And I wonder, do you have that? Do you have that in your life? Do you have trusted friends around you who will speak truth to you. Not friends that will reinforce uh, your issue and kind of convince you, oh, that's not a big deal. You don't really have an issue. Do you have friends that will speak into your life and say, you know what? I've noticed that. Yeah, I recognize that you have that issue. Um, let me speak into that. Let me help you with that. Do you have that? If you don't, you need it. We were never meant to do life alone. Never. God didn't design us to be Lone Ranger Christians. And if you know who Lone Ranger is, you know he had Tonto. Okay? We need people around us. So if you don't have people like that in your life, I have a great suggestion for you. So I encourage you, I challenge you, I double dog dare you to get into one of our community groups. So we have community groups here at Epic. We've got groups for men, for women, for couples. And 
I would love, if you don't have a group, you're not part of group life, you don't have a group of friends around you that can speak truth to you, I encourage you to get into one of those groups. And let me tell you this, don't show up and think you gotta share your deepest, darkest secret at meeting number one. Don't do that, you'll scare everybody away, okay? I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to step into an environment where you can build friendships. And maybe out of that group, you could build some friendships with some people that you can talk to outside of that group for some issues that you have. And guess what? I guarantee you, somebody in that, that group has got issues. And they're just praying for God to send somebody along that can help them deal with their issues. And maybe that person is you. So if you're not in a group, I encourage you to get in a group. And here's how you can check out our groups. If, for those on campus, in our lobby before you leave, we've got a whole section on the left-hand side of the lobby that's set up for groups. I encourage you to slow down and check them out before you leave. Like, don't do the, the gauntlet walk and, you know, keep your blinders on and try to get out the door as quick as possible. Just slow down. If you're not in a group, just go explore. See what it could be like for you to, to be in a group. We've got all kinds of groups that meet at all different days of the week, all different times. Find a group that would work for your schedule and try it out. I guarantee you, uh, if you really engage that well, you'll never regret it. If you're watching online and if you live local, you can actually sign up for our groups at our website, theepicchurch.com, under our signups tab. And if you're watching online and you don't live local, I encourage you to find a church that has small groups and dive into their small group structure. And if you can't find that, I encourage you to start a group. Invite some friends to learn to live in biblical community. Again, I, I think you'll never regret that. Now, in addition to having trusted friends in our lives, sometimes we need professional help. Sometimes we need to see a professional counselor. Sometimes we need to see a pastor, maybe for a faith issue. Sometimes we need to see a financial advisor for some money issues. So sometimes we need to take an extra step and get professional help. And if you're in that spot, I encourage you to stop by our care center before you leave. So on your way out in the lobby on the right-hand side, there's a care table. We've got some amazing people there that would love to help you any way that we can if you need to get connected with a, a local counselor or a pastor or someone who can help you deal with one of your issues a little bit more on a professional level. And if you're watching online, again, if you live local, just email us at care at theepicchurch.com. We'd love to help you any way that we can. Now, as we close, I, here's what I encourage you to do. So this week, I encourage you to identify one person in your life, one trusted friend, one person that you can share an issue with. And then this week, sit down and talk with them about an issue that you have in your life and ask their advice. When they give their advice, do what they recommend. Give it a shot. Try it. See how it works. Like, really engage it. Don't just hold it at an arm's distance. Like, really engage what they recommend. And if they say, I have no idea what to tell you, say, great, would you keep meeting with me and keep praying with me so that we can figure this out together? So identify a person, share an issue that you have, and then do what they recommend. Before we pray, let me circle back to myself and uh, my conversation with my friend recently. So again, my, my friend gave me some great advice for how to address an issue in my life. I chose not to do that until recently. 
Recently, I started to do what my friend suggested, and guess what? It's actually helping. Imagine that. Imagine that. It's actually helping. So, to deal with our issues, we have to admit our issues. Number two, we have to stop managing our issues. Number three, we have to get help for our issues, and we actually have to do what we're told. That way, we can actually address our issues most effectively. So if you would, I want to ask you to stand with me, and we're going to pray, and then our worship team's going to sing a pretty upbeat song that really kind of captures everything that we're talking about today. And uh, it's a great song. I encourage you to maybe listen to it uh, the rest of this week. Um, but let's pray together, and then um, we'll spend some time talking to God about your action plan for this week. So God, thank you so much for this story of Naaman. Lord, this guy lived several thousand years ago, and yet I find myself in his story. Like, I struggle with pride. And there are moments, Lord, that, that I allow my pride to keep me from getting the help that I so desperately need. And Lord, I'm so grateful that Naaman had trusted friends around him who would speak truth to him. I'm grateful that he humbled himself and did what Elisha told him to do. And it's out of his obedience that he got healing for his health issue that he was able to address his pride issue and even got help for his faith issue. So Lord, that applies to all of us. Lord, we need to reach out for help. There are issues that we have in our life that we have not been able to manage, we have not been able to solve. We can't do it on our own. You want us to reach out to other people who can point us towards your truth. And then you want us to do what they recommend. So Lord, may we humble ourselves and do those things. Lord, may we understand that we're in this thing called life together and we desperately need each other so that we can address the issues in our lives. Thanks for being a, a great God who cares about our issues, who steps into our issues to help us and provides great friends that we can have around us to help us deal with our issues. In Jesus' name, amen.